Thank you, Susan. So true. It's only Jesus is going to be able to take care of this, and it fits right with what I'm going to speak about this morning. And um, I, uh, I, as as I've told several of you, I've had a tough week this week. It's been um, I've lost more people I know to COVID and and do other things in the last two weeks than I can even count right now. It just seems like it has just gone over, and so. Um, as you will find out as, I, as you get to know me better and as I speak more often, when I preach, I'm usually preaching to myself. So you can, I just kind of let you all join in on what I'm talking to myself about. And so I'm in the midst of this right now trying to figure out what's going on. I've had ex-young people, people that were in my youth group pass away. I've had friends that have passed away. I've had all these, and it's it seemed like every day I was getting this new despair was kind of piling on, and I felt myself getting into that kind of feeling. And, and when you do that, we find ourselves like we're in the wilderness. Now, wilderness doesn't always have to be doom and gloom. It's not always that. Sometimes it's decision-making. Some of you have tough decisions to make. Some of you may have um, things that are going on in your life that you just are not sure which direction to go. Sometimes it's just plain old change. You know, I've told you before, I don't like change. I'm kind of set in my ways. I don't like to change things. I want it done. And when people throw me a curve and that changes things, I'm kind of going, I don't know about that. We all find ourselves in the world in the wilderness <laughs> and I have no idea what your wilderness journey is but my guess is we all have some kind of wilderness journey we're in and so that's kind of where I'm coming from um, I've also found that you know that God will see us through it <laughs> and sometimes he has to drag us through it some of us are a little more hard-headed than others and he just kind of and I've been drugged through a lot of crazy things before because I'm kicking and screaming saying, no, I don't want it that way. But I do know this. He has a plan, and he wants to carry it out in us. He wants to carry it out of this church. He wants to carry it out in your life. Whatever you're going through, he has a plan, and he's got it covered. So our scripture passage this morning is in Numbers. That's you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. And those that are able, I'd like you to stand with me as we read God's word. Numbers 10, 11. On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, the, the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the testimony. Then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and it traveled from place to place until the cloud came to rest in the desert of Paran. They set out this first time at the Lord's command through Moses. Divisions of the camp of Judah went first under their standard. Nashon, son of Aminadab, was in command. Nathanael, son of Zuar, was over the division of the tribe of Ishkar. And Eliab, son of Hidon, was over the division of the tribe of Zebulun. When the tabernacle was taken down, and the Gershonites and Merorites who carried it set out, the divisions of the camp of Reuben went next under their standard. Elizar, son of Shadur, was in command. Shumiel, the son of Zerushad, Zerushadai, was over the division of the tribe of Simeon. 
and and Elisha Elisha yeah okay I'm really good at pronouncing names Todd's probably there laughing at me right now um, Eliasaph under Duel was in the division of the tribe of Gad. Then the Kothites set out carrying the holy things. The tabernacle was to be set up before they arrived. The divisions of the camp of Ephraim went next under their standard. Elishama, son of um, Amahud, was in command. Gamaliel, son of Peradazu, was under the division of the tribe of Manasseh. And Abaddon, son of Gideonai, was over the division of the tribe of Benjamin. Finally, as the rear guard of all the units of the divisions of the camp of Dan set out under their standard, Ahizer, son of Amishashadai, uh, was in command. Pagiel, son of Okran, was over the division of the tribe of Asher. And Hariah, son of Enon, was in the division of the tribe of Nephtali. This was the order of the march of the Israel divisions as they set out. Now Moses said to Hobab, son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, he was setting out for a place about which the Lord said, I will give to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. He answered, No, I will not go. I'm going back to my own land and my own people. But Moses said, Please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in the desert, and you can be our eyes. If you come with us, we will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. So they set out for the mountain of the Lord and traveled for three days. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them during those three days to find them a place to rest. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day, and when they set out from the camp, whenever the Ark set out, Moses said, Rise up, O Lord, may your enemies be scattered and your foes flee before you. Whenever it came to rest, he said, Return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, I said a lot of crazy words and a lot of names I mispronounced, and you're probably going, why would you go through all Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the main focus of the passage was those last few verses. But what I'm trying to get at, if you notice that, God has a detailed plan and order for everything he does. And he had a detailed plan and order for Moses and his people as they would go from place to place. They, they had a certain order, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant were all there. Now, most of us like a clear vision of where it's coming up. We would like for God to just show us, now, this is where we're going to go, and this is what's going to happen, and then when that's it, and we think, if you just, God, if you just lay it out like that so we know, that'd be really great. But on the other hand, do we really want to know every time a disappointment or some disaster or something's coming up? What would we do? We would do something crazy. We would try to change the outcome. Maybe we would go run and hide, stick our head in the sand. We would do something different that we weren't supposed to do. <laughs> we would try to hide or change it one way or the other. See, we would change our point of view if we knew what was coming up and we try to skew what was going to happen. We find ourselves doing that. We think we know what's ahead. We think we know how things are supposed to go. We think we should follow it. And what happens? God says, no, it's not going to really go that way. You think you know, and you try to skew it your direction. But God has a detailed plan. He knows exactly what he wants. God 
just as he set up the camps in specific ways and plans in order, he has a specific plan and way and order for you. Do I need to repeat that? God has a specific plan and order for each of you. He needs us to fulfill our place to get the job done. And to get it done right. Now, if you all are like me, I go, no, Lord, you, you could use somebody else to do a whole lot better job than I could do. We get ourselves, and we get in, I, I tell you all the time, we get in our heads sometimes and start thinking, oh, but God, you, somebody else could do a much better job. No, he needs you to do the specific job and to do the job right for it to be part of the vital body of Christ. You see, the body of Christ works together as a group, as many parts, and if that's the case, well, we have our job we're supposed to do. If you'll also notice that the tabernacle and the cloud went together. The tabernacle and the cloud represented the presence of God. We better have the presence of God before we embark on any journey we're about to take. They knew that without God's presence, they would get nowhere. But they also knew when God's presence was with them, God would lead them. And then there's Hobab. Now this is really what the story is about. He was there to guide them. He knew the lay of the land. Moses said, I need you to go with me. I need you to help and show me. We need you to know how the, where to camp, where to go, how it is. Our church needs people like that in their everyday lives. All the churches need that person, those people that can know what's coming up. Someone that's been there before. Someone that understands a little bit more. God puts those kind of people in our midst. Ready or not, he does. He puts people that know the way, know the lay of the land, know how things should go in our midst. And he, then he needs, we need God's guidance to show us how to go. And he needs God's guidance, or those people need it. But he uses people, people like Hobab, to show and help them find their way. The people, these people can alert us of some of the obstacles, some of the dangers, some of the things that come up our way. I think of a man named David Bowes in my life. David Bowes was my very first pastor out of seminary. He, he flew up to the Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky to interview with people all day long to find a minister of music for his church. And I was one of those people. And he, I ended up going to First Baptist Church, St. Cloud, Florida, as our minister of music. He came and stayed seven months and retired. I was so upset because this man was going to be my mentor of the ministry. The good news is, he retired from the church, but he did not retire from my life. David Bowes helped me through all the major obstacles I had coming up, and I had some severe ones. Because after he left, they called in a pastor that did not like me, or did not like my style, or did not like 
the direction I was taking the music ministry, was already interviewing people to take my place before I was even gone. I needed David Bowes to help me through that trying time. It was a time I was in the wilderness big time. I had a young, Janet and I had just got married, been married about a year and a half at the time. I would just gotten ordained into the gospel ministry. I was just trying to figure out my life. I was trying to figure out where I belonged in God's kingdom. And David helped me guide through that and did on many occasions throughout my life. David was that person that I could count on to help show me there's going to be obstacles here. This is going to watch out. Now you can let them do this to you or you can let them do this to you. And he helped me. We need those kind of people. It looked like Moses was leading them, but really it was the cloud of God. It was God's presence that led them everywhere they were going. God used Moses to help the people follow his leadership. He understood that they had to follow him. He had, folks, you all realize how many people that was? They've they've talked about millions, possibly, that were going through the desert. Can you imagine what that must have been like? And here he was trying to lead. So he had to use, they needed to follow his leadership. We have to trust God's leadership, even though it's scary sometimes, and even though it doesn't make sense sometimes. I got fired from that first church. That did not make sense to me. It really didn't. Here we were, a young family, trying to figure out our way and our, where we fit in the ministry and all that stuff. Boom, guess what? Go find another job. I tell you what, we'll give you a month. Now, anybody knows anything about the ministry, <laughs> you, you can't just go find another job in a month. It doesn't work that way. It, uh, you know, it just doesn't happen. But God is awesome. And he found me a place to serve in a month. That quickly, I didn't miss a Sunday. Why? Because God works that way. As a church, we need to make sure that we are following the cloud, God's presence, each and every day. We have to follow him at his pace. Now there, another one of my issues is I want to run ahead of God, or sometimes I want to lag behind a little bit. I don't like his pace sometimes. Sometimes I just think like he's going too slow, or sometimes I think he's going too fast. He has the right pace for us to go and to follow. Now, if you'll notice as I was reading that, Hobab declined at first didn't he? He says, no, I don't think I'm going. I'm going to go back to my home. I'm going to go back to my comfort zone. I'm going to go back to where I feel comfortable. Ooh. I like my comfort. I like my couch. I like my recliner. I like things to be where I like them, where they are. I don't like it best up. I don't want Janet rearranging the furniture where I trip over stuff if I'm not watching. I don't like all that. I like it my way, right? We like our comfort zone. We like where we're comfortable. This is good. Yeah. You had a pastor for 25 years. 
That's comfort. They're there. We can always count on them. Where is it? Right? I mean, that's how it is. Then he decides to retire. What you talking about? What are you thinking? We're comfortable. We're okay. He might have sensed you were too comfortable. God's leadership is interesting in those ways, isn't it? Because God's ways are not always our ways. Our ways are sit back and go, yeah, we got this. This is down to a science. We got this person doing this. We got this person doing that. We got this person doing that. And that's the way it should be. Well, I hate to tell you this. Sometimes those things need to change. Sometimes we end up finding out, oh, that's, that's different. We, we, we like it this way. What, don't, don't, no. It's always tough to understand that taking a step of faith <laughs> can be difficult and scary. I, I always think, when I think of that next step of faith, I, th- I don't know if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark or not, but if you remember that old movie, Harrison Ford had this big gap. It was just a big old gap. There was, I mean, you look down, you could see for a mile down. And the thing told him he had to take a step over the edge. Now, it didn't look like there was anything there. And he had to take that step. And he had to do it on faith. But as soon as he did, there was a platform that walked all the way across. And he just, wow, all the way across without any problem. But he had to take that first step of faith. Sometimes we are called to take that first step of faith and jump out there into an unknown place. We need to feel like we are needed. That if sometimes, you know, when we're trying to talk to somebody about coming to Christ, I'm sure all of you have talked to somebody about coming to Christ at some point or another, and they may not have accepted right then. What did you have to do? Talk to them again. Moses had to say, okay, I know what you're saying. That's out of your comfort zone. You know, but we need you. You've been there. You know the lay of the land. You know how to do this. The people of Israel need you. People of Forest Heights need you. The people of this community need you. The people on Oglethorpe Avenue need you. They need this church to be a beacon of light for God and for this world in this crazy wilderness world that we're all wandering around in. They need it. They may reject us at first, but we don't give in. We tell them, you're needed. Sometimes people need to realize that they're needed before they'll actually do anything. Um, as you know, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And one of the things I saw change, and one of the things that changed about young people is everything's about their self-esteem, isn't it? We, we talk about that a lot. Well, they're going to hurt their big feelings, or they're going to do this or that. or they have. All. We talk about self-esteem. Now, I want you to think about your grandparents and your parents' generation. 
Where do those kids get their self-esteem? From hard work at home, right? If you remember, there was a time in our country and everywhere that children were needed to keep the family business going. If it wasn't for the children, the family business would go under. They had what? Large families. And those kids all had a job to do. They were needed. That helps their self-esteem, folks. Being needed helps their esteem. When a child, or any of us, is just, oh, everything's wonderful. We, need, we love you, and you're on this little pedestal, and everything you do is wonderful. That does not build up their self-esteem. Now, uh, the kids are saying, shut up, Wes. Don't say those things. That's just wrong. Uh, we don't want to hear that. They need to know that they're part of the family and they're a vital part, not just this thing to look at and this thing to be admired and this thing of, of almost worship. They need to know. Guess what, folks? As you grow and as you find people and as new people come, they need to know that they're needed. That's the best way to feel part of this church. That's the best way to feel part of God's kingdom, to know that you're needed. And when we just say, oh, you've accepted Christ, hallelujah, well, if that was what all God needed you to do, then he would just take you home to heaven right then. It doesn't work that way, does it? You accept Christ, then what? You start finding your place of service. And we all need that place of service. Hobab needed to know that place of service. He needed to know he was in the presence of God and that they needed him. So God had plans for us, and he has plans for Hobab. So we can sum this whole story up in, in a couple things. Number one was obedience. Are we obedient? When God tells us to do something, do we do that? Do we grab the people that we, are necessary and keep moving? We feel like, all right, God, you're, you're leading us this direction. What do we do? So we have to be obedient. We have to follow his directions. There will be no finding the promised land if we're not following God. His presence and his leadership will lead us there. The world tell us to go after our selfish ambitions and to do what we think feels good for us and how we look. That's not God's ways. God's ways are following him. We need to value those that help us through the journey. There are people, and everybody, everybody's got somebody in their head right now, as I say, there are people that have helped make you closer to Christ because of who they are and how they've led you and, and used you and, and worked with you. All of us have people in our, that have come through our lives that have made us stronger Christians, have helped us understand who God is a little better because of those around him. We need to value those people. They, these people led us closer to Jesus, and we've learned so many lessons because of them. Our own personal ministry has grown because of that. Those, we need those folks that influence us and that God puts us in our lives. There was a, um, many of you have heard of the, the man William Carey. He was a great missionary from England. I went to William Carey College, matter of fact, and we heard a lot about William Carey there. And it was an attempt to create things for God, do things for God. It was, it was something like, great things. See, I've already lost the, the motto that he had, but he had a great motto, and that's what we used. What we don't hear much about is William Carey had a sister. His sister was an invalid, was bedridden. She had only use of one side of her body. 
she wrote encouraging notes to him and prayed for him for 50 years. And William Carey attributes everything about his success and those to his the prayers of his sister, those words of encouragement, those things that continue to influence. That's the kind of people we God puts in our lives. You all may have almost every church has got that person that writes cards. They're just really good at writing cards and notes to people. Almost every church has somebody that does that. Or sometimes it's a Sunday school class or it may, whatever. Those things people think, but. If you ever receive one of those cards, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your life is better because you've received a card of encouragement from somebody. And like I said, I don't know yet who, who they are. But those pre- people are so important. And I think sometimes they think, I don't know that this is even getting through. I promise you, if you're that person, it's getting through. And people are better off because of it. Every church has though. William Carey needed those cards of encouragement from his sister. Those prayers from his sister. We, we, we diminish the, how much prayer really is needed and works in the church. You show me a church that doesn't pray, and I'll show you a church that's stagnant, not doing anything. You show a church that's really a praying church, one that they're really on their knees, they're really putting God first and focusing on that, that's a church that will start thriving and growing. God answers prayer. Then we have to trust God. That's where things get difficult. You know, it's easy for me to preach about trusting God. It's always easy for us to talk about, oh, we got to trust God. It's a whole other thing to just lay it out there and really trust Him. Watch what He's doing. Let Him take care of that. Turning your whole family over to Him. Turning all your friends over to Him. Putting your whole day-to-day life in his hands. That's an easy thing to preach. It's a hard thing to practice. It is really difficult to just say, all right, I want to just give it all to him. All of our lives, all of our family, all of our friends, our job, our church, our money, our gifts, our abilities. What about your strengths? What about your weaknesses? See, we have certain things we'll, we'll turn over to God. Oh, I'll give you this. Oh, I'll give you that. Yeah, sure, we'll give you more church. Unless they do something I don't like. We'll give you, we'll give you this. Oh. We'll give him our families. As long as he doesn't call one of my kids to be in the mission field in Africa. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I give them my kids. And all of a sudden your kid's saying, you know, I feel God calling me to go do something really dangerous or scary. All of a sudden then, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, God, you didn't quite understand the way I was praying. And I think sometimes we forget to give him our weaknesses. Let's face it, we all got weaknesses. There's things we just don't do perfectly. And we forget to turn those over to God because he uses all of it. He uses all of who you are. We can, we can do these things if we'll truly trust him and experience his life. And when we do that, we'll experience that abundant life that he promises. 
Remember, it says, I would promise to give you life and more abundantly. That's an important thing. We all want an abundant life. We're just not sure what that looks like. We're just not sure that's exactly how we're going to live. We're not sure that we can trust God to handle that. We're not sure that he can really get us through the wilderness. Because we all have a wilderness. Everybody in this room has some wilderness they're going through. I don't know what it is. God does. And he wants to help you through it. But that means I've got to trust him. But what if he doesn't do it the way I want him to do it? <laughs> He's not going to do it the way you want him to. I'm 65 years old. He hadn't done much of anything the way I thought it should have been. Or the way I wanted him to do it. But he was right. And he pulled me through a lot of crazy times. And he's helped me through a lot of tough days. And he's led me when I didn't think he was even there. And yes, he dragged me when I didn't want to go. That's the God we serve. The one that we can trust and we can worship and we can praise. Because he is here, right now, in our midst, in our present, in our presence, in our lives. He is here. Let him show who he is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. And help us, Lord, not to do anything without you. So many times, Lord, we want to go off on our own. I know I do, and I need you to continue to make yourself known so strong in my life that I can do nothing but follow you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are and your presence with us today. We thank you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, we just ask you to show us your presence every day. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our time of invitation. We invite you to come if you have any decision to make. It could be you'd like to unite with this church. It could be that you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you have some other decision to make, or you may just want to come and pray at the altar. This is your time as we sing.